Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. It's good to be back here today with you live throughout the fruited plains on the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, and I want to thank God for the opportunity to be here with you because I um, have been on the road. I've been on the road traveling. I'm going to be on the road traveling a little bit more until it's going to be a, a major sprint to the finish line, all-out sprint to the finish line. And I guarantee you the campaign is running like it is behind, and it should, because you never know just how dirty this political game can get and will get as we move toward the next 40 days and 44 days. Now, um, of course, the polls are basically a dead heat, which, <laughs> quite frankly, folks, I'm thinking means Trump's going to win by a landslide. If the polls are a dead heat and uh, Biden is not doing his polling as well as Hillary Clinton did, what does that tell you? It tells you that more than likely, because the polls were skewed then, and they're certainly skewed now, what does that tell you? Tells you that um, Joe Biden and his campaign is in huge trouble. We're going to talk about that and lots more here today. I got Buddy Pilgrim coming up on the show with me here today. Buddy uh, Pilgrim is um, the founder of uh, Integrity Leadership. He is a businessman extraordinaire, former president of Pilgrim's Pride Chicken. He is a friend and a good buddy of mine and uh, just love to have him on. Uh, he's got his own show now. I want him to tell us about that. And there are other things that uh, we're going to be able to talk to uh, Buddy Pilgrim about. And friends, it's going to be great to have had him on the show because um, of what he is able to drop on us, so the pearls of wisdom and all of that type of thing that um, people like uh, Buddy bring to the conversation. So what's going on in America since I've been gone and where have I been? I've been across country, basically. I've been uh, from Philadelphia to Utah, Ogden, Ogden, Utah. Great people in both places um, traveled out to uh, it was an outer the outer part of Philadelphia. And folks, I got to tell you something. And, and I want to say you, I want to say this to you folks in, in um, Philadelphia, too. I want, I want to say this to you folks in Philadelphia. You're hysterical. I mean, you you are hysterical. I, I, so I go out to Utah. First thing, Philadelphia is hysterical. Go out to Utah. 
Yeah, totally different. People there pretty much more seemingly, seemingly uh, independent of independent thought than the sheep that I saw in Philadelphia. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The people in Philadelphia were absolutely, you can tell the difference in, 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 in the way their demeanor and the way they act toward you if for some reason your mask slipped below your nose if you're in public. But what's so stupid about all this to me? Now, that's just me, just me talking. Because uh, obviously, uh, I eat out a lot, right? I mean, I mean, I have to. Uh, I'm on the road a lot. I eat out a lot. I uh, I love to cook. Uh, my wife was a chef. Um, but, you know, she's gone and I don't have time. <laughs> and so uh, when you go into a restaurant in this in these hysterical places like Philly, like Philly, this is the stupid thing about it. I'm talking about a hotel restaurant, right? Okay, so you have to have your mask on. And I'm, I know it's this way in your place, too, but I'm, I'm pointing out the stupidity of this. Air does circulate. And even though they like to tell you that they can tell you how far, you know, such and such will go in, a, in on an airstream or whatever. Air circulates. Right? We'll all agree upon that air circulates. Okay. So you walk into the restaurant with your mask on. The hostess sits you at your table. Now, you're free to take the mask off. The hostess comes back to your unmasked table time and time again, keeping in mind that air circulates. You're speaking to her, she's speaking to you, but mainly you have your mask off if this is the uh, danger that we're having here, that the, the mask being off is the danger. When she leaves your table, she takes a wave of air with her. And on that wave of air is your breath. It's whatever you have exhaled. And even though the other table may be six feet away, Folks, that's a theory that it only travels six feet. And, 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 and I'll tell you something. You have bought into the lunacy of that like it is science. It is, that's not science. There's nothing proven about what they have told us. Science is a proven scientific theory. That's what science is, Okay. I was never good at it. I, my mind, my mind is more, is different than, it works differently than that. Uh, but I love, I love science. It's not that I don't like it. I'm not a Neanderthal. I'm not the local dragging Neanderthal. I don't care what you say. You, you, you call me that sometimes and that's, that's fine. That's okay. But I'm not. I would like to consider myself someone who has good common sense. Motherwood as the old folks used to call it. And no, I'm not the smartest, sharpest tool in the in the in the in the, sh in the shed or, or in the drawer, and sharpest knife in the drawer. But doggone it, I can still cut through some of the BS that we're being fed here, and you should be able to. I don't care how dull your knife is. This is stupid. And the only way that we get back to uh, being who we are, and, and and friends, listen, this is coming from somebody who has not been sheltered in a cave in his basement or in his house. Uh, for the last five, six months. 
No, I've been out and about, even when I was in Colorado after Jane's death, where I had to stay pinned down for basically four months. Yeah, uh, March, April, May, June, four months. Had to stay pinned down there before I could come home to even do her memorial service. But I still got out and about and mingled with people. I went to uh, a shoot that we did uh, at some friend's house for Melania, uh, right there on the mountain ridge. It was just beautiful, this, the setting that we did. And none of us had masks on. Maybe one or two had masks on. It was at least 50 folks there. And this was in the middle of all of this. This was, yeah, yeah, this was in the middle of all this. And, of course, you wait around to see if you're going to get any symptoms of a cold. Nothing. Never has been and never was. It boils down to what my doctor tells me. That if you're healthy, at least as healthy as I am, and and I'm not bragging on that. I'm thanking God for it. But at least as healthy as I am, you don't really, and most Americans are. Uh, a lot, I mean, most of us are, are, who are talking like this, don't have any health scares in our lives, at least none that we know of. And, you know, hey, I just came from my doctor a couple of weeks ago uh, for my checkup, and I'm fit as a fiddle. Uh, Healthy as a quarter horse, as he'd say. Healthy as a quarter horse. My point is the hysteria will continue to abound. And if you elect Joe Biden as president of the United States, if you put Kamala Harris in there behind him, Joe's soon going to be gone, first of all. Soon going to be gone, first of all. If you put Kamala Harris and him in the same... The other day, her Freudian came out. She was talking about her. She actually put herself at the top of the ticket. You know why she put herself at the top of the ticket? Because that's what she talks about when she's not on the phone or on the television. When she's there with her husband, her kids, whoever, her close confidants, whatever, she puts herself at the top of the ticket. And so naturally what you talk about in private, I mean, if you talk about it a lot, in private, when you get into a public setting, it's going to slip. Freud, that it's just that subconscious will reveal it. Your true thoughts, it will be they will be revealed. And hers were. So instead of Joe Biden being hysterical over and 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 causing everybody else to be hysterical over coronavirus. Joe should be paying attention to watch his back. Although, hey, folks, let's let's um, and, and you Republicans out there, you conservatives out there, don't want you to get complacent. Don't you dare get complacent. Well, I don't think we're going to have to worry. About, I think Joe's the only person got to worry about this because we're I don't we think we're going to have to worry about the American people voting Joe Biden. And Kamala Harris. Into the White House. I just don't think we have become that nuts yet. Oh, we are certainly headed toward Nutsville. No bow to doubt it. We are headed toward Nuttyville. But. But. We can avoid. 
this. Now, if Hillary was not, uh, if Hillary was, if, if Joe Biden is polling as worse than Hillary was at this point in time, and the polls have the the uh, election uh, race the race dead even, then hey, they were wrong about Hillary. They gotta be wrong about Joe. Over the weekend, a lion of liberalism passed away. I want to talk to you a little bit about why this is significant and why you are going to see a bloodbath battle over the judicial seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, um, full disclosure, I've n- I never met Ruth Bader Ginsburg, although I was directly affected uh, in my life by her actions. It was um, Bader, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg advice to the NAACP at the time, the director, uh, Benjamin Hooks. Uh, I think Bader Ginsburg had ascended at this time to the federal court, to one of the, the to the federal courts, not not the not the Supreme Court. This is before then. This is back around uh, 85, 80, 84, 85. I think she had just been appointed to the federal court. She may have still been with the ACLU, but anyway, she was an advisor to the NAACP, of which at the time, and, and I became president in 87, but I was a member of the branch uh, when she was um, being elevated to the court. A young man, I was, I was a young man, you know, it was 33 years ago, 33, 34 years ago. And um, her advice was to use the NAACP as a tool, a mechanism to support and encourage planned parenthood pro-choice and so i was sent the directive from um, dr benjamin hooks this is after i had become president of um, the naacp to go and speak at a pro-choice rally and quite frankly i i couldn't do that I just was not going to do that. And my star, as I say all the time, was uh, rising rapidly in the organization and abruptly it began to set. I say this in reference to Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she was the lioness of uh, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. Union. And um, she was a Cornell University trained uh, attorney. You know, and um, if you know anything about Cornell University and and the ideals, the ideas that uh, come out of Cornell, they came from the Frankfurt School in Germany. And what the Frankfurt School in Germany was all about, and it came to when, when Hitler ran them out of Germany because they were causing such uh, upheaval and dissent among the German people that Hitler thought that they would certainly be um, 
an abstract effect. They have an abstract effect on his uh, rise to power. So he ran them out. Where they go to? They went to New York. They, they, they ran to New York. And uh, the liberalism that Hitler ran out of Nazi Germany came to America. Now, some people will say, well, that, well, well that's, that's proof that, that that must be a good thing. No, it's proof that it was a disruptive thing even to the Nazis. <laughs> even to the Nazis, it was disruptive. And they were thugs and hooligans. So the thugs and hooligans that were bred by this liberal school of thought, the Frankfurt School, had to be dealt with. Now, keep in mind also, not that I'm, I'm in any way praising, I'm a friend of Israel. Uh, absolutely, I'm a friend of Israel. And um, I want to talk about this, and, and I might bring this up with Buddy, Buddy Pilgrim, when he comes on at 12, 12.05. How is it possible then that we can't see that it's liberalism that's causing the upheavals in the streets. It's it's not Trump. It's not his uh, presidency, his administration. It's liberals who are funding these anarchists who are creating upheaval in your streets. And you had better get a grip and get a grip soon. I was speaking to this group uh, there at Liberty Hall in Ogden, Utah. My good friend Kathy Smith was my host there in, in Utah over the weekend and had a fantastic time with uh, my friends there at Liberty Hall. Uh, hugs and kisses to all of you uh, out there. Uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time we have. And folks, I'm going to post um, this uh, pic of this statue that Kathy Smith has had commissioned it's uh, called uh, Stand Your Ground, and it is of General Washington on this magnificent steed. Looks like a Morgan, but he's on a magnificent steed. And I want to post that so all of you can see what's going on out there. And I encourage you, I'm going to make sure that we get Kathy's info posted so that you can um, support this organization out there in uh, Ogden, Utah, Liberty Hall, and all the great people out there. You're going to have some of the folks uh, from that uh, organization on the show. In fact, that show will be my feed source uh, for people if in Utah to funnel through to the show. And uh, Michelle, we're going to hook, hook Michelle up with that. And um, of course, Michelle and Michelle, I think you and Kathy are already hooked up. So, so let's just make that a funnel source for some of our interviews with some really great ideas out there. And it's a great story of people who founded a great land and um, here in this great country. So the president's going to announce his choice for Supreme Court nominee Friday or Saturday. <laughs>
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities. That- you can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. She was a legend. She was a legend, according to Donald John Trump, speaking about um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was a legend. Uh, She represented something different than you or I or somebody else may really agree or with or like, but frankly, she was a legend. And folks, um, that's what I'm saying to you. I tweeted out, and I want you to understand this. Before we get into the breakdown of uh, why Trump is going to choose a woman and who it may be, I want you to understand this. I tweeted out, um, I, I can't remember, it was um, last last week. Uh, well, whenever, it was, it had to be the weekend. It had to be Saturday. Uh, I, that she was the lioness of um, um, the ACLU and how a great how we'd lost regardless of you what you thought about her opinions and you know her writings her dissent their dissent writings um we just we lost a great american woman and and, and friends let me say this i am not praising the opinions of ruth bader ginsburg i am applauding though a great american woman do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do you hear me? You see, this is the problem in our country today, friends, and, and this is what we really need to address. I'm going to talk with Buddy Pilgrim coming up at 12.05, uh, and you want to hang around for that. He's an extraordinary businessman, former president of Pilgrim's Pride Chicken, a uh, good buddy of mine. And and so this is what we fail. This is why we're in this situation now, why we can't um, get along in this country. It's because we've gotten into personalities and uh, become we've become vehement and bitter, almost venomous, because someone else may have a different opinion than you do. But friends, that's the essence of who we are as Americans. This, and that's why college campuses are no longer what they were, a place of ideas. Because if you happen to have a different idea, then you are now ostracized, pushed aside, and bullied, even failed. Oh, yeah, failed. Professors lose their jobs because they cannot accept a differing opinion. Now, Bader Gainsburg, Ruth Bader Gainsburg, was not that type of liberal. She was indeed a Cornell Frankfurt Frankfurt School of Thought liberal 
but she was a liberal who heard other ideas and then clandestinely, overtly, and any way she could, began to work against it. As you should, the same way I would, being a conservative, a Republican, who is against a liberal idea, I am not going to attack the person. I'm going to attack the idea and the uh, try to stop the idea legislatively. That's the American way. But what they are trying to do now is make you afraid to speak as an individual. Which robs you of your citizen, uh, your right as a citizen. First Amendment right, in fact. It robs you of that. And you're standing around accepting that. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should be applauded. She should be lauded. And she should be respected. First of all, because she was a woman who achieved what she achieved in a man's world at the time that she achieved it. And and and, and I don't care how you cut this cake. It takes incredible intestinal fortitude woman man whoever you are well woman or man that's all you can be okay (laughs) oh grow up listen that's all you can be okay i'm i'm the neanderthal again that's all right but i'm just calling it like i seize it i'm just calling it like it has been seen Ruth wanted that to be seen differently. Ruth Bader Ginsburg wanted that to be seen differently, especially while she was in the ACLU uh, and when she was ascending, being a you know a, uh, an advisor, and when she was ascending to the fed- first federal court that she was appointed to. I think it was back in the mid '80s, and then um, uh, she was nominated. I think Carter. In fact, I'm sure it was Carter who nominated her um, back in the 70s. And then Reagan came along and she was pretty much forgotten about. And then along comes Jimmy Carter. And not along comes um, Bill Clinton. And he nominates her to the Supreme Court. She makes it. I think two voted against her unopposed. But she did not, she was not as venomous. In fact, she was not nearly as venomous. She was an old-style liberal. She was almost a classical liberal, but not a Jeffersonian-type liberal. But she was the type of liberal that uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, who was a a constitutionalist and originalist, was best friends with. And that's why I can applaud her, because I have a feeling that I would have been good friends with her too because I love a beautiful mind. She had a beautiful mind. Yeah, pardon me. As I, uh, Ginsburg's services will be likely on Thursday or Friday. um, And I'll do respect. The president went on to say, we should wait until the services are over. Uh, for Justice Ginsburg. I wish he hadn't said that because, you know, they can delay. <laughs> Jews usually bury within 24 hours. They try to bury him within 24 or 48 hours. Uh, however, it was uh, Rosh Hashanah, not Rosh Hashanah, um, 
yeah, and and they couldn't do it. So, um, they're gonna bury her at Allerington National Cemetery. She deserves that. Her husband's there, and um, she's gonna get full honors. She deserves that. She was one of our justices, and she was indeed a great American woman. Did agree, disagree with me on that. The difference is you got to respect people's achievements, whether they beat you or not. I am not a Steelers fan. Uh, they disappointed me so many times um, when they beat my Cowboys. Uh, I am not an Eagles fan. In fact, I can't stand the Eagles. They have disappointed me on so many occasions when they beat my Cowboys. <laughs> but I respect them because of the ethic, because of the work that they put in to be who they are and to beat my Cowboys. If you beat me, you beat me fair and well, you may not have beat me fair and square. I don't know. Never know. But if you beat me and it is fair and square, you just gained, I may not tell you, but you've just gained respect, more respect than you had. Maybe not friendship, but you gain respect. And that's what you, that's what the president has for Ginsburg. Respect. That's what I have for her because um, at least she moved that football, agree or disagree with it. She moved that football. In a nation where a football like she was moving should not have been moved as far as she moved it. Friends, if we respected each other for our achievements, even though we may not agree with them, honest achievements, not dishonest, not under the table like the like the Clintons would want to do, not like the Dems are trying to play now. Ginsburg was not about this type of thing. Although it has been stated, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, dishonor or disrespect the words that were given to the press uh, about her dying words, her last words, is that uh, she wanted the next president to choose her successor. Uh, who's to know, except for the person that gave us that statement? Who's to know? Uh, who knows if there, there's collaboration? But we don't know. That she said this on her deathbed and some of her dying words. Oh, my God, that sounds so melodramatic. But who's to know that she wanted the next president to choose her successor? Well, if that's the case, then we should let Donald Trump go ahead and, and, and choose this without opposition because he's going to be the next president of the United States. Why delay that? We need a nine court we need nine members on the court so that we have that this breaking the deciding vote on the court when this election results and i don't believe it's going to go to the supreme court this time i think trump's going to win by a landslide but if it does if it does go to the court we need that tie-breaking vote on the court before this these lawsuits reach Supreme Court level. And hey, friends, those lawsuits are coming. But a replacement for Ginsburg is coming too. And whether you like what's going to go down, 
or whether you don't like what's going to go down as uh, people like uh, Mikowski from uh, Alaska. Uh, and of course, you have others like Collins Ooh, and Romney. Those three Republican votes right there may cause us to need at least one or two Democrats because we have Mike Pence to break the vote, to break the tie if it can't becomes up a tie in the in the in the Senate. But but I I just gotta ask you this: when you are a Republican, you have the presidency, the ability to call and to nominate someone to fill the seat of a ranking liberal in this country on the Supreme Court. You have the majority in the Senate. Which means that if you send the nominee on to the Senate, it's a slam dunk. It's to Shaquille. Low in the paint. It's going in the hole. Why wouldn't you do this? Why would these Republicans drag their feet saying that the next, why would the Republic, are these never Trumpers? The the next, he's going to be the next president. You should be thinking Republicans. How can Collins? I mean, we know about Romney. We that's let's just discount that. I'm sorry, my friends out there in Utah. Hey, listen, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry. And I was I was a surrogate for the Romney campaign. I'm sorry. I I'm just totally totally dismayed and disappointed with your boy Romney. I'd understand why he'd vote against this, but Collins, Murkowski. President's right. If they vote against it, they better watch out because they're going to get primary. This ship is turning around, folks. And whether you believed it before, I want to encourage you to believe it now. And I send condolences and uh, from the from red state. Uh, and from Red State and the C.L. Bryant show to, uh, you know, someone who, as the president said, lived uh, uh extraordinary life and was an extraordinary human being, achieved ac- uh, extraordinary accomplishments. Condolences. Send all of that. But this is the thing. Ruth Bader Ginsburg could not have left the planet in a better at a better time how jaded does that sound after saying all those things about how great she was and she was but i'm a truth teller okay and the truth is and i know you thought it that's why i have a show here because so i can say what you don't want to say out loud i'll say it she could not have left this earth at a better time to go on to her better existence she could not have left at a better time i believe that 
even the election of Donald Trump was divinely appointed. I believe that. Call me nuts, whatever. Well, you know, I believe that was divinely appointed. And uh, I believe that uh, the uh, boom in our economy in those three and a half years well, as it was booming before Corona hit was a direct result of God ordering those steps of this nation through the administration of this president. Why would, would, would I believe that? It's because everything that went on to stymie him, to hinder him, and th these were powerful, powerful forces that were trying to oust this man from office with very strong and uh, meaningful, venomous lies that were supported by the national news media. Yet, they failed. The economy was so strong that when coronavirus hit, we were able to see our American citizens through it and also have uh, the ability to add to seeing through that. That's how wealthy the country was. I dread to think what would have happened if this would have occurred under the Obama administration. But because we had a robust economy at the time that this coronavirus hit, well, we were able to sustain ourselves. The American coffers, the American, the funds, your taxpayer dollars, and this is why you do it was able to sustain you, those of you who needed to be sustained. And, and it's still doing it in many cases. And guess who's fighting the continued sustaining? The Democrats. Granted, I think we're spending way too much money. Way too much money. But we have been able to do it. And so where do you go? From here, you go you go to the socialist. And I need Buddy Pilgrim to answer a question for me that, uh, in fact, uh, Kathy Smith gave me this book. It's by Lawrence W. Reed. It's a book by Lawrence W. Reed. And I am going to read it. I haven't read it yet. Uh, it asks the question, was Jesus a socialist? Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of people, who, even Christians, who like to, you know, say that, that he was. But he was not. And I'm going to get back to what we were to this discussion when the C.L. Bryant show returns with more after uh, these words coming up on the other side of the news break at the top of the hour will be friend of the show, friend of mine, businessman extraordinaire, former president of Pilgrim's Pride Chicken, uh, Buddy Pilgrim. He is now the CEO and founder of Integrity Leadership. Uh, and I, I want to have him tell us all about that. And, of course, share with us uh, his faith and where we are headed here with this 2020 election. So don't you go anywhere. I'll be back with the home stretch of the first hour. Then we will return with Buddy Pilgrim. I'm CL. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cling. 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities. The sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always in the heaven hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day here in our great land, the USA, homeland. Uh, that's where it is for me. I don't know about you, um, but I don't care if your roots run into Ireland, Scotland, Africa, wherever they are. If you were born here in the USA, baby, this is the homeland. It is for me. Um, I can trace my roots to Nigeria, Scotland, and uh, of course, right here in, in America, I got a little bit of uh, Choctaw uh, in uh, Native Native American in me. Uh, Choctaw Creek, one of the two. And um, this is my home. I don't know anything about Scotland or Nigeria. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about this, the Creeks or the Choctaws either. I do know about being an American. I know about being an American. Uh, yeah, of course I know about being black in America, but I know mo- I know about being an American. Yeah, I can tell you about being black in America. And 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 to all my Caucasian friends, I want you to understand that uh, there is a difference, and there has been, but you can overcome the difference by simply taking advantage of the opportunity that's available to you and turning it into uh, a vehicle to take you wherever you want to go. Ask uh, ask Bill Cosby, ask Oprah. Well, you may not want to ask Bill, but but there are a lot of people who have succeeded and failed, succeeded and failed. Ask the president. You know, uh, you know, anybody who has succeeded and failed, succeeded and failed. It was had the, the, the ladder kicked out from under him a few times. I, 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 I can raise both my hands. And all I'm trying to do, all I'm trying to do right now is to keep that ladder from being kicked out again. Yeah. And so we all have our um ups, downs, and crazy turns arounds and all that kind of thing. But friends, as I was saying to the folks uh there in Utah, and then before then I was saying to the folks in uh Pennsylvania, we will face upheaval in the street, regardless of who wins this race. And you know that you already got Nadler, uh, wanting to pack the court. Uh, if lame duck Senate pushes pick and he knows that they can, or he would not be saying it the same way he pushed impeachment because they knew that they could, they knew that they could impeach the president. And so the hypocrisy knows no bounds. 
They had no grounds to impeach him. And they're pushing back against the president, even though he has every reason, all the grounds in the world to stand on for selecting the next Supreme Court justice. And uh, Mr. President, Mr. McConnell, uh, Mr. Leader of the, of the Senate, you will be absolutely out of your minds, gentlemen, if you don't take advantage of this opportunity. I guess being uh, uh, having a little uh, having a little Nigerian, a lot of little uh, Scots Irish, and a little of that Choctaw uh, Indian mixture in me it makes me a, a true Creole. Uh, the the motto for just about each one of those um, tribes that I just mentioned that they make up who I am and my family and who I am, <laughs> my dad was and all that, makes up a person who believes in the idea of when your enemy's down, <laughs> kick him. Oh, that's not the most Christian thing in the world to say. I know it. I know it's not. We're supposed to be of the um, turn the other cheek ilk. And I am. That's why I was praising the accomplishments of Ruth Bader Ginsburg because I'm turning the other cheek. However, we have an opportunity to advance the football for our team. And I played ball in high school. Wish I could have played in college. I, I actually dropped out. You know, I went and started doing debate and so forth. So uh, I played two years in, in high school. And then went to the debate team, became a, a champion debater. And went on to college. And um, was, went, to find, went, to, went to nationals, uh, finals in college. National finalist in college. Two years that I went to, to nationals. So I'm saying that I did turn the other cheek. But now we have an opportunity to advance this football. And I'm talking smash. We need to play smash mouth football. Smash mouth. That means that we do what is necessary to get this ball into the end zone. Get me John Riggins. Riggins right, Riggins left. Get me Earl Campbell. Campbell right, Campbell left. Hey, we can do this. Or let's send somebody airborne like I've seen Emmett Smith go many times. And I saw him it got get hit in the air bringing that thing across the, the goal line and they hit him right at the goal line where he was flipping around like a helicopter blade but he broke the plane. <laughs> and that's what we gotta do. Uh, that's what we gotta do. We gotta break the plane, baby. And it's all up to you because um if they had their way, this COVID thing would take on a new form of uh, driving the hysteria. Yeah, it would. It would take on a new form of driving the hysteria. For instance, the CDC says 
coronavirus could spread through the air. And then then you get another story. Let me show you how this is beginning to develop. You get another story saying that CDC says COVID-19 may have reached 11,000 on planes. Do you do you see do you see what was happening here? Uh they're keeping the the fan, the the um flames fan so they don't go out. Because the people in Utah, I mean, if, if you don't keep these flames fanned, they are not going to buy this stuff much longer. In fact, they're, break, they're already breaking free. North Dakota, I was up there a couple of months ago. Uh, did a thing at Mount Rushmore a couple of months ago. Yeah. They, they, they don't buy into this. Spirit's too free. It's the Western spirit. Montana, same way. It was up there a couple of months ago. Montana, same way. Places like Denver, Colorado, right in Denver and right in Denver. I mean, you know, they're, they're hysterical. All of the Democrat-run cities are hysterical over this, and it's because they have bought into and they want to continue to support this narrative that the CDC is putting out. First of all, the CDC says coronavirus could spread through the air. Of course it could. Any virus can. Any virus can. And they go on to further bolster bolster this hysteria by saying uh, COVID-19 may have reached 11,000 on planes. Well, you know, I fly constantly. And um, I told told my regional air, told the regional airport I fly out here in Shreveport. I mean, really, you should put a some type of express lane here for us guys who come through here all the time, sometimes twice, three times a week. She hook us up. But anyway, the hysteria is purposeful. As long as they can keep you afraid, they will keep you corralled. They will keep you controlled both in mind, body, and it does affect your spirit. Which means that government is becoming God over you, which is totally against what Jesus told you about that two-sided coin. Sure, there's a side to Caesar, but there's a side that belongs to God of you. Since you live in a world that, well, Caesar has um, obviously authority here. But there's also a side of you that uh, God governs that can affect any of the Caesars that happen to be in power. But what we have done, Americans, what we have done, we have allowed them to become both. Government, big government, big government has become both Caesar and God because they control your lives and you're wanting them 
you, it actually seems as though you get wanting to give them even more control over your lives. Why would you do that? Why would I can understand them being Caesar? Of course, you elect them. We have an elective form of government. But why then would you make them your God? By saying we want you to give us free medicine, free health care, free this, free that. Don't you know there's nothing free? Only God grants you stuff that's absolutely free. Only God can give you stuff that's absolutely free. Anything that a man gives you and he is telling you it's free, you know it's not, don't you? This is where the phrase and the term every good deed goes, no good deed goes unpunished. Nothing's free. Not even a puppy. He ain't free. My kids had to learn that early because I made them work for the dog food. Oh, yeah, and the shots. Oh, yeah. You want the dog? You're going to work to earn the dog being here. You got to clean up the yard. And why? Well, are you going to pay us? No, that's your dog. <laughs> now, if you want to do something for some money, yeah, I'll pay you for sure. Oh, it teaches a lesson. It does. Raises frugal kids. But I'm of that ilk that uh, if a man doesn't work, woman for that matter, or if she's going to be on her own, don't work, she'll need. Yeah. My kids, uh, my, my kids, my girls are very productive, hardworking women. And um, it's because they have that in their minds. Yeah, I think they pass it on pretty good to their kids. My son's done the same thing. He's teaching his children the same thing. Don't work for it. You're not going to eat. Of course, you're going to feed them. But just the same. That's the principle. That's the discipline. And I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. And I think uh, those types of ideals do and have made uh, America great. Um, we could have been a socialist country. Uh, because at first, that's what we were trying to, to do. There are people who wouldn't work, not pull their weight. Had to do something better, and we got to do it now. I'll be right back after the break with Buddy Pilgrim. Don't go anywhere. I'm just a pilgrim on this road, boys. I'm just a pilgrim on this Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show.
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the Fruited Plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. And it's all because of people like you who have made a show like this one so popular throughout the Fruited Plains. Over our platform, our flagship platform, Red State Talk Radio, Red State Talk Radio, the largest talk platform in uh, the nation, most listed to the Talk Monster. And if you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, right there on the Red State Talk billboard is the C.L. Bryant Show. Every hour, 24 hours a day, we pop up there in Times Square. And old C.L. Bryant's face looking right back at you. And hey, folks, thank you again for your listenership, your viewership uh, of um, the post and everything that we make there with FreedomWorks. Uh, go to FreedomWorks.org. We join our 5 million uh, activists are, or who are on our Facebook page, and we certainly do appreciate uh, you uh, helping us um, educate, motivate, and activate the largest grassroots organization in the nation. We boast 6 million uh, on the ground. Thank you so much for that. Just got back from Utah and uh, was in Pennsylvania uh, a couple of days before then. And um, the message of uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news of America is uh, my mission to do. And God has put me on that mission. And so I feel very secure in that, uh, doing that and traveling with a promise, the promise that uh, God gives everyone who will serve him faithfully. And on, on with me now is someone who has been doing that and is doing that. Someone who I admire, truly admire, a friend of the show, a friend of mine. He's the former president of Pilgrim's Pride Chicken. He is the CEO and founder of uh, um, Integrity Leadership. And uh, help me welcome back to the C.L. Bryan Show, Buddy Pilgrim. Thank you so much for being there, friend. Hey, C.L., it is always a pleasure and an honor and a joy to be with you on the radio. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. You know, I wanted Michelle and I were talking about who could we get on today to talk about the impact of um, the evangelical vote on this election coming up here in 44 days. Buddy, talk to us about that. Well, I think it's absolutely critical. I long had a theory about why President Obama won the way he did in 2008 in particular, but again in 2012. And the reason I believe Obama won so strongly in the 08 is because uh, set aside all the issues about, about the historical aspect of him being the, the first black uh, candidate, the first black president, those kind of things. He was, by his own admission, a community organizer. For years in Chicago, that's what he did. And when he approached the presidential race, he approached it with a community organizing mindset. And he organized the country into communities of dissatisfied, disenfranchised people. He, 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 and he pitted black versus white, young versus old, rich versus poor. And in my opinion, this is how create, he created a whole bunch of constituencies that everyone could see themselves fitting into one of more of those. So he organized communities of people, groups of people, to stir them up, and then he motivated them to go vote. Now, here's the reason I connect that to your question. In my opinion, the largest and longest-standing community of people that have a like-minded thing that connects them together is the Church of Jesus Christ. It is the Christian community. We're already there. We're already organized. We meet every week on Sunday, sometimes twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday. 
And that is why it is so important, because we're already there, to understand that we all have a common set of foundations if we look to the Bible that should guide our votes. So now what we need to do is have this massive group of people with these like-minded core beliefs get out and vote those beliefs. And we are large enough in number that we can swing any election, state, local, or national, if we will simply come out and vote and vote the Bible. Absolutely. And you know, buddy, uh, you are ordained minister of the gospel. Uh, I'm uh, ordained minister of the gospel and have pastored several, uh, three churches in, the, in, in this country. But uh, this is what I want to ask you, minister to minister, and I want to share this uh, minister to minister with uh, let's minister to uh, the audience right now. When we talk about uh, uh, phrases like this, president has been uh, the most supportive of the uh, of, of, of Christian faith in this country. Is that an accurate statement? And should that be something that should be presented to congregations as to the achievements of this president and the actions of this president toward the evangelical community? Speak to us about it. It's 100% accurate. And I was a big supporter of Reagan. I was a big supporter of Bush's. None of them has been that close. Even Reagan could be in a supporter of the Christian community that Donald Trump has been. And it began at that meeting that you and I were at in New York City of Times Square at the Marriott Hotel in July of 2016 when Trump met with roughly a 1,000 evangelical leaders. And right before that was when he first learned about the Johnson Amendment. That was a puzzle on people of faith trying to keep them from speaking. And he said, you know, he said, you don't have as much freedom under the Johnson Amendment, and a pastor or a minister doesn't. That's just the average citizen. And he said, that's wrong. He said, I'm going to do something about that. So from the outset, he said to set us free in terms of our ability to speak our faith and, and be, inform other people based on biblical beliefs. But beyond that, and he's done that. He did that with an executive order. He, he gave instructions that the IRS would not enforce the Johnson Amendment as a hammer against people of faith and ministers. Then in addition to that, he supported Israel more strongly than any president ever has. He is, he is the one who moved uh, the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, although that's been a law that it should be done since Bill Clinton was president, but it's been most postponed every six months since Clinton was president. Trump got in. He did something about it. He's expanded uh, the view of, of uh, Israel's rights to the land that they have over there. He has uh, stood for the things that we stand for in our faith, in particular life. He's the most outspoken pro-life president of anyone that we've ever had. No president has ever talked about being opposed to abortion and in protection of life as much as Donald Trump. Let's see so if all can... of these things, I think, are evidence of what he's done. Let's see if we can further motivate him, buddy. And man, I got to tell you, thank you for that, preacher. Because uh, this, this, I mean, really. This, this, so let's delve into this. There are a lot of churches, but who are trying to uh, socially, in my opinion, engineer their congregations to have some type of, of white guilt over this thing that's, that's going on. Now, full disclosure, folks, I am a black conservative who is a Christian to the core. Now, my conservatism is, is, is conservatism, but my Christianity is absolutely complete. Uh, that's who I am. I, I am a follower of Christ. And I'm speaking to a fellow uh, believer uh, on, on the phone. And, 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 and so he's black. He's white. I'm black. And we're, we're talking from those two standpoints. And so I'm asking this question to him about what, this is, what is going on with this 
uh, coming from the pulpit. What, what's, what, what type of end game can there possibly be? And there's, there's a socialist end game in this, buddy Pilgrim, talk to us. Oh, there is a socialist end game in this. The left has absolutely gone off the rails in terms of where they want to take this country. They're led by Ocasio Cortez. They're led by Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden will be able to stand up against that. Joe Biden, frankly, is far more left today, even by his own admission, than he was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. The left is determined to turn this country into a socialist country. And the thing that ties that back to this discussion of Christianity is you can't implement socialism if you have a country that's strongly rooted in its faith, if you have Christian faith and Judeo-Christian values, both Jewish and Christian values, as the foundations of the country. Because socialism operates when government becomes God instead of God being God. And so the first thing they have to do is destroy the religious foundations. And that's why we've seen this attack on religious belief and people of faith in particular over the last eight to ten years where coaches get fired for praying on a football field and valedictorians are told they're not going to be able to say the word Jesus with God in a valedictory speech or somebody who makes cupcakes is told that they're going to be run out of business if they don't endorse a gay wedding. Now, it's not enough to just allow those uh, homosexual wedding to occur. The left wants us to endorse it, embrace it, and say we love it. We think it should be done by anyone anywhere so those things are what we're facing right now tearing down the religious beliefs in particular the judeo-christian foundations is is a first step to implementing socialism and socialism never works because it concentrates power in the hands of a few if people think that there's corruption today when you have tens of millions of capitalist businesses making financial decisions about the economy. You can't imagine how bad it's going to be when instead of tens of millions of individual business people, you have a few hundred or a few thousand politicians and bureaucrats making all of the economic decisions. You know, buddy, I uh, I want my special guest right now is uh, Buddy Pilgrim, former president of Pilgrim's Pride Chicken, uh, founder, CEO of Integrity Leadership. Buddy, talk to us about Integrity Leadership. Well, Integrity Leadership is a very focused ministry. I teach the word for the workplace. Uh, so I take biblical principles and apply them to our vocation. And it doesn't matter whether our vocation is as a minister, as a chicken processor, as a politician, as someone who works in a political campaign, as someone who runs a restaurant. No matter where your vocation, where you work, the Bible can guide you in the decisions that you need to make. So I apply it to every aspect of work. But in particular, I focus on it for for uh, political campaigns and, and for governing institutions around the country. Well, let me ask you this. How, if people wanted to learn more about it, um, Buddy Program, how would they get in touch with you and how would they get in, in involved with it? Well, they, they can look at my website, which is integrityleadership.org, integrityleadership, all one word, dot org. But in addition to that, I'm hosting a weekly television show on Victory, the Victory Channel, which is a, a network uh, owned by Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I have a weekly television show. It's on at 6.30 every Saturday night, and it's called Liberty Line. 
And if you're familiar with Mark Levin's Life, Liberty, and uh, Levin, it's similar in format to that in that I have guests on, and I have a single guest for the entire half-hour show. I usually have them on for more than one half-hour show, and we don't just touch on topics for five or ten minutes. We delve deeply into topics, and we talk about a Christian faith-based worldview for business and politics. And they can find me on Victory by going to Dish Channel uh Dish Channel 265, Direct TV Channel 366, or you can look it up at govictory.com and find all the different ways to watch on Roku and Apple TV, the Amazon Fire and all that. But Direct TV 366, Dish 265, every Saturday night at 6.30, Liberty Line. Sounds so interesting, and hey, we'll talk more about that uh, with Buddy Pilgrim. But Buddy, I have about, uh, and Buddy, I'll be talking to you offline here uh, in the next uh, couple of days. But I want to speak to you about the Abraham, uh, the Abrahamic um, um, compact that the Abraham Accord, Accord, Accord that, yeah. they, that the president has uh, now implemented. What is the significance of the Abraham Accord, the Abrahamic Accord? That the, I, I think it's great that he named it the Abraham Accord. You know, uh, I listened to a clip of John Kerry over the weekend when he was Secretary of State under the Obama administration, and he said there will never be an Arab-Israeli peace agreement that doesn't first first include the Palestinians. You have to have the Palestinians as a part of this. And Trump took a diametrically opposed view to creating an Arab-Israeli peace agreement. The Palestinians have never been really willing to, to have peace with Israel. Israel's given them land. They use the land to fire rockets into Israel and kill, and kill Israeli people. They've never been willing to put together a reasonable deal. So Trump said, forget the Palestinians. Let's go to the other Arab countries. First, he went to the UAE, United Arab Emirates. Then he went to Bahrain just recently, and he struck peace agreements between each of those two countries and Israel. I think the next place he's probably going to go and strike a formal peace agreement is with Saudi Arabia. He is going to surround the Palestinians, and he's going to surround uh, Iran, which will never strike peace with Israel, with other Arab nations that will make peace agreements with Israel, and that's the most certain pathway to true peace it was a brilliant strategy. I think it was as well. Uh, Buddy Pilgrim is my special guest. Buddy, uh, take about uh, two or three minutes. Be the watchman on the wall. Tell us uh, what the consequences of uh, Joe Biden becoming president uh, are all about. Please talk to his audience about that. Joe Biden would be the most devastating president that I believe we've had in the history of this nation. This is truly uh, a watershed election that's before us. It is the most important one we've ever had. The last one was important. This one's even more important because the left, as I've already said, is gone so left-leaning. Uh, they've already shown their hands about how uh, they're going to behave if they get in power again when Trump's talked about appointing another uh, judge to replace Ginsburg. Now, it's his presidential duty to do that. It's his presidential right to do that, uh, for them to appoint one and for that person to be confirmed. The left has already said if there's a, a Trump appointee confirmed and they end up winning, Biden wins the White House, and if he wins the White House, it would be more likely that they won the Senate. That's why I think if Trump wins the White House, it's more likely that Republicans keep the Senate. So I think we have both of those in play together, the White House and the Senate. And the, the left has already said if Biden wins the White House and they win the Senate, 
they already have the uh, House of Representatives, and they wouldn't lose that if, if those other two things happen. They will move immediately to change the number of seats on the Supreme Court from 9 to either 12 or 15, and they will pack that court with ultra-liberal ideological judges, not constitutionalist judges. That would be the most devastating thing to the uh, to the future of this country because the left already believes that things that they can't get passed through a legislative agenda, they will force through by putting liberal judges in place. And it, so it would be devastating to have that happen. We are on the verge of almost losing the constitutional republic that we have, and that's why we've seen riots in the streets and all of these things over the last few months because these are anarchists that hate America, they hate capitalism, they hate freedom. They're under this naive idea that socialism is a better governing system for a, for an, for a country, and it's wrong. The Black Lives Matters organization is not about black people mattering. It's not about the life of a black person mattering. Black Lives Matters is a Marxist, socialist, political movement that's using that title because it sounds attractive to people who think they want to stand up for oppressed people. Well, but ultimately, Marxism will oppress all of the people in this country except the very, very elite well, at the top. Watchman on the wall today, it was my good friend, uh, Buddy Program, L. Buddy Program. I, I want to thank you uh, for being there. I want you to thank you for fighting the good fight. And I know that you will continue to do that because you are fighting the good fight. Buddy, like I told you, I'll be in contact with you here for the next 24, 48 hours. I certainly do appreciate you again uh, for being on with me here today. Bless you. Thank you, CL. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. That was LM Buddy. And uh, he is a businessman extraordinaire. He is uh, the founder, CEO of Integrity Leadership. Um, and, of course, his um, television program comes over Dish uh, and uh, Direct TV, 30 minutes a day. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Buddy about uh, moving up either to North, myself, either moving to North Carolina or to uh, eventually to West Texas. Never didn't get a chance to talk to him about that. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking about bailing out of Louisiana, folks. I'll talk to you uh, after the election as to how that plays out. Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, North Carolina could be a great place. West uh, Hill Country in Texas could be a good, a good place. So I'm thinking about it. You've got to make a stand somewhere. And I think those two polit politically charged places are going to boil down to my choices. I may I make a stop through, uh, you know, uh, Florida. I just don't like the climate, but, you know, who knows? I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. I'll be back after these words. <laughs> Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... 
You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL, back with you on this great day in the USA. Thank you for coming along with us as we build a bridge to conversation. Hey, um, just want you to know that uh, these words that I say to you when I say be ready is just that. You had better be ready for whatever comes. However it comes, you better be ready for it. Now, I'm going to read this. Uh, I'm, 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 I haven't read it yet. It was given to me by uh, my friend Kathy over the um, weekend. It was It's a book called Was Jesus a Socialist by Lawrence W. Reed. Um, why this question is being asked again and why the answer is almost always wrong. I, I like the, it's an interesting uh, cover. It has the cross, but the shadow of that cross reflects a sickle and hammer, the symbol of communism. And um, socialism is making a comeback, and so is the idea that Jesus was a socialist. This book uh, is timely, I believe, and economist and historians Lawrence W. Reed, according to um, the press, it is pure shows that it is pure fantasy to believe that Jesus wanted earthly governments to redistribute um, wealth. Certainly not. I mean, hey, listen. You help your neighbor, right? You help them, right? But you can't be responsible for them. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again because it's true. The And I said this in, in North Carolina, I believe it was, a couple of days ago. I said this in North Carolina a couple of days ago. And, um, well, you know, last week I said this in North Carolina. The statement, I, I'm my brother's keeper, is absolutely inaccurately, it's wrong. You don't want your brother keeping you. You don't want to be the keeper of your brother. You know where those words came from, right? You use them, why don't you know where they came from? Those words are the words of the first murderer in Scripture. And his response was a response that was being sarcastic to God. God's inquiring about a murder that he knows has taken place. And he's inquiring with the main uh, well, well, the perpetrator or the person who 
quite frankly, odds-on favorite to have perpetrated it. Where's your brother? Man, his blood, his blood's crying out to me from the ground. God knew there was a murder that had been killed, that had been a killing. God said there's his blood calls and cries out to me from the ground. Oh, hey, uh, am I my brother's keeper? It's not my, t- it's not my day to keep him. That's what, that, that's the equivalent of what Cain was saying. It's not my day to keep him, sir. And we have taken that uh, statement that is really a, a, a statement of sarcasm and disrespect and turned it into something that is, is almost doctrine in some churches, some doctrine in some neighborhoods, doctrine in places in America that is absolutely big. You don't want your brother to be your keeper. And you don't want to keep them because then you determine how long they're kept, if they're kept, why they're kept, how they're kept, the condition that they're kept in if you're their keeper. And quite frankly, you develop a like and a dislike for some more than you like others. Right? You know, you can't, that role as a keeper is, uh, is too important to turn over to people who can be fickle. My whole point is, folks, um, the idea that Jesus was a socialist. Earthly governments, redistribution of wealth, a central plan, a centrally planned the economy, or, uh, you know, the welfare state itself. That's all systems that are designed to keep you. And, and like I was saying before, uh, we came into the new hour, uh, the, next, the the second hour, and if you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryant Show, download free the C.L. Bryant Show app. And, uh, of course, um, we love talking to you and hearing from you. But, friends, this is the situation right here. I'm my neighbor's helper if he, my, if I can possibly do it. If I can't, I can't. You can only do what you can do, right? Right. You can only do what you can do. Okay? And then someone else has to pick up that slack. Okay? You're helping them. But if you're their keeper, you're going to make sure that they're out of that situation. Hmm? That's the difference. A helper is a guy who chips in, let them do whatever it is you're able to do for them. And a keeper is a person who sees them through the situation. A key, you know, a kept man, a kept woman, whatever it is, you know. That's the deal there. You don't want that to be the deal for you. Not individual Americans. That is not what you want you cease being who you are and that's what buddy pilgrim was saying when he said that if if, if uh joe biden becomes president of the united states and well if kamala harris becomes president of the united states that's what it's going to boil down to folks i mean you know let's not don't 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 kid yourself okay don't kid yourself all right don't kid yourself this thing with kamala and joe 
is it is also a farce. Are you hearing me? It is also a farce. They do not want Joe Biden either. They want the socialist. You bet you better understand that. You better understand that they do not want Joe Biden either. They want the socialists that they can manipulate. And uh, Kamala Harris is like putty, like clay in their hands. You see? She is like, she will do anything to, to, be, to be president of the United States. And both of them actually are losers. Both of them are. Joe has never been a winner when it came to this, and they had nobody else. They couldn't run Hillary again. Cory Booker is a joke. Ocasio was too wet behind the ears, or they would have run her. You better believe it. If she had been old enough, and if she'd been old enough and experienced enough in any way, they would have run her. Joe was standing there crying and pouting in line, saying, it's my turn, my turn. I should have, you know, Joe, you probably would have done better. I mean, I know, and in fact, I know that it was a mo- too much emotion going on there when the loss of your son, uh, Hunter, you know, uh, Biden, I mean, not, uh, Bo, Bo Biden, not Hunter, Bo. And you, you, you're shot to run for president uh, at the end of your VP um, nod with President Obama was your best shot. You missed it. You missed that shot, Joe. And Hillary was still feisty enough to run um, and young enough to run, really, against Trump because of the same age. But she probably would have been in the same predicament as you. About to wander down the path of Ginkgo Biloba <laughs> land. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's the way I seize it. That's the way they're trying to play it. And friends, you had better understand that when they start redistributing the wealth America's over they, they're doing it they're doing it but I'm saying if Joe Biden gets to be president of the United States with Kamala Harris sitting there like a vulture on his shoulder that's actually the image that you should see when you see that uh, Biden-Harris ticket you should see Joe Biden with a vulture sitting on his shoulder Oh, Joe, what, what, what did they, what did they promise you in the afterlife to do this, man? (laughs) I mean, it's suicide, Joe. It's suicide. I mean, you're still in pretty good shape for a 77 year old man. I mean, you really are. You're slim, you're trim. I think I'm going to be in better shape than you when I get to be 77, but, uh, glory to God. But you're in great shape for a 77-year-old man, Joe. You could go on another 20 years easily. Easily. 
Why would you want to do this anyway at 77? My goodness. Is there no joy in left in Hoosville for you, man? Come on, man. Come on, man. That's one of that's one of Biden's. You love to say, come on, man. Why would you do this at 77 years old, Joe? Are there no golden years left for you? Is is this all there is? Gee whiz, you got a pile, you got piles of money, piles of money. Joe, I sail off. You and you and Jill should sail off into the sunset, babe. Sail off into the sunset, dude. Walk away. Otherwise, they're going to crucify you and make Kamala the uh, president. You're going to do something that they're going to crucify you over, Joe. I don't think they will physically harm you. But I think you're going to gaff. I think you're, this is how I think it's going to play out with Joe, Joe Biden's demise. This is how it's going to play out. They're going to pull his hand. They're going to, if, if Joe Biden should win the presidency of the United States, this is how it would play out. They would pull his handlers back from him and let him naturally trip over his own tongue. And then there would be a move to elevate Harris to the presidency. They would title, was it title nine? I forget what the title is that, to take him an incompetent president out. So, why would you do that, Joe? It'd be, it, we would end, it would end in this disgrace. Even though you're not really, you've been there a long time, but your career is not really that storied, except for the time that you crucified and publicly lynched a black man, now Justice Clarence Thomas. You and Ted Kennedy did that. Other than that, uh, your career really is not that storied at all. Other than the fact that you publicly lynched uh, um, a now Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. You tried to lynch that black man in, in the um, confirmation hearing, the Senate confirmation hearings. As you would be doing right now with... Um, the nominee that the president's going to put forth, we're going to talk about after the break, the one that makes the most sense and would take the less time after the break. We're going to talk about Amy Coney Barrett and um, see what we're going to face. She's going to face the most grueling <laughs> and uh, attacks on her person, no life that she's ever faced in her lifetime. She's ever faced in her lifetime. Now the president is saying that they are all smart. And they'll all be great. Um, of course, that's his upbeat, you know, outlook. Um, the other that I would say would be a very good choice is Judge Lagoa. Uh, she's uh, 52, is appeals judge from the 11th Circuit from Miami. 
and the daughter of Cuban exiles. Um, further, I think President Trump uh, needs to win Florida. But he said he wants to try not to say um, what's going on as far as who he's going to pick. But either one of them, Coney Barrett, I think Coney Barrett would be the easiest one to confirm. Uh, if he chose Lagoa, I think the obstacle that he'd run into in choosing her would be the fact that uh, they would not only investigate her, they would put her parents coming out of Cuba on uh, trial. I'm talking about the Democrats, not the Republicans. The Democrats would try to put her parents being exiles from Castro's Cuba on trial as well. So that may take the process longer but actually Coney Barrett has already you know she's she's just right there at the doorstep the only thing she has to do is go through the hearing she's uh, the background checks and everything is if she hadn't fallen out of grace uh, in her background checks over the last um, what it's been six seven months eight months nine months then you know all that's still the same get that back in no time um, then you do the Senate hearing shouldn't take more than um a week and the president can uh, look for Mitch McConnell to do what Republicans ought to do and I don't understand why some are saying that uh, well you know you gotta wait until the next Republicans if you want Trump to be the next president do this if you want, if you need to do this for the country's sake. If you say you're a conservative, if you say you're a Republican, you need to do this for the country's sake. You have an opportunity to put a conservative judge on the court. And Amy Barrett is one. So is Lagoa. Both of them come from very strong backgrounds of conservative stock. Both of them Catholic. And both of them pro-life. Yeah, both of them pro-life. So, you have an opportunity. I think that you would be out of your mind to shoot yourself in the foot now. My God, how, would, how could you pass this circuit? How could you pass this up? The president's going to give you a nominee Friday or Saturday. You should have your behinds in your seats on Monday with this hearing. Get this done. I think the quickest one has been 19 days. On Monday, you will have about, uh, what, 35? No, less than that. No, yeah, more. Yeah, you'll have more than that. You'll have about 35 days. Let's get it done. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn.
Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities that You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. All right, now this is just in, and of course, um, it's 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 going on as we speak uh, here on the this day. The Department of Justice declaring New York State, uh, New York City, Seattle. Um, I want to re- make sure I get you that right. It's New York City, not New York State, but New York City, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, and um, as anarchist jurisdictions, as anarchist jurisdictions, those cities he's declared them anarchist jurisdictions. This, my friends is the first move to take away federal funding from those cities because they are allowing anarchy, the the rule of law, to be totally trampled. And so uh, uh, Attorney General William Barr has said in a statement that the cities have permitted violence and destruction of property to persist and have refused to undertake reasonable measures to uh, counteract criminal activities. So, uh, Bars continues to say that when state and local leaders impede their own law enforcement officers and agencies from doing their job, it endangers innocent citizens who deserve to be protected, including those who are trying to peacefully assemble and process. Barr also added, we cannot allow federal tax dollars to be um, wasted when safety of the citizenry hangs in the balance. And that's absolutely what you should look for out of uh, your attorney general is to protect the general public. You should look for that out of your presidency. And that's what I'm telling you, folks. You have gotten that from this president. It's the Democrats. It's the others who, for whatever ungodly reason, uh, folks vote for, who have kept up this type of lunacy and madness in this country. It is nuts. We've got to stop it. And so it is my hope, uh, the Attorney General went on, that the cities identified by the Department of Justice today will reverse course and become serious about performing the basic function of government and it starts protecting their own citizens which is the basic function of government you do know that the basic function of government is that your government protects you the taxpayer although they protect you for a reason it's because you give them money That's the only 
reason why they would protect you. Otherwise, we would be back to the frontier days, right? Where you protect yourself. And you should do that anyway by protecting the people yourself from the people that you send to office. Making sure that those people you are sending to office are your people. Are you hearing me? Huh? By making sure they are your people. And keeping an eye on them in case they begin to turn on you. Because you do understand they will do it. How many times have I seen, uh, oh my goodness, boy next door, go off to the state legislature, he goes off to Washington or wherever he goes off to, and he becomes, oh my goodness, a vampire. Becomes a vampire. Starts to suck our blood. Our life's blood. The country's lifeblood. Which is its resources. Money. The people learn that they can vote themselves money. It ends the republic. Because things like coronavirus uh, continues to, to go on. But this, my friends, is significant. We're going to see if, in fact, these folks will come back to their senses. Now, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo blasted Trump's memo earlier this month saying, I believe the presence is fundamentally a bully, which I've said too many times, and I've known him very well for a very long period of time. It doesn't work in New York because you can't bully New Yorkers. You just, we just don't get bullied. Okay? I know one thing New Yorkers are doing. They're not staying there to find out whether they're going to get bullied in New York. They're leaving. So I tell you what uh, those people who are, don't back down from bullies do, because I think uh, Governor Cuomo, they're beginning to see you as the bully. Not the president. They're beginning to see you as the bully. And the reason they're leaving New York is because they're tired of being bullied by you and Bill de Blasio. You. The issue is you. So, uh, my friends and fellow Americans, this is now the opportunity that we uh, must take. And this book that I was given called Is Jesus a Socialist? Was Jesus a Socialist? Uh, it's one that I think is going to be a very good read. I'm going to start on it here uh, later tonight. And um, it has endorsements by Burton W. Folsom Jr. Uh, you remember him. He wore the New Deal or Raw Deal. And he says, thanks to this book, uh, progressives will never again be able to claim with any credibility that Jesus would stoop to be a socialist. And I'd like uh, to put emphasis on the word stoop. You'd have to bend down. He would have to bow down. He'd have to bend down or even bow down to it himself in order to uh, be a socialist. Uh, Judd W. Patton, professor, emeritus in economy, uh, Bellevue University, writes about this book 
with impeccable scholarship, logic, and clarity. Was Jesus a socialist? Demolishes the various arguments that Jesus was or even could be considered a socialist. Reed sheds uh, much needed biblical light on the political, economic, and economy, the political economy, and the real Jesus. This book is a must read in today's political climate. Um, so, yeah, has some, some very good endorsements. And uh, one that I really um, like here is the first one that it gets is uh, by Steve Forbes. Uh, a timely, lively, learned, and well-argued masterpiece that definitely demolishes the claims that Jesus was a heart, a, a was at heart a Marxist. Read expressly, um, expressively, deep knowledge of economics and the New Testament shines through. That is a glowing, glowing uh, review from Steve Forbes, was Jesus a socialist? And it's important for you to understand and uh, that you need to, under- to to see for yourself what socialism is and what it does because this is what we're up against now, okay? We're up against people who want to take us to Socialistville, and they will, if we fail. You're going to have to make some tough decisions if we fail. Tough decisions if we fail. Because it's easier to go along, to get along, but you die quicker than you would. But you go along, get along, you get free stuff. Yeah, you get a tenement house to live in. That's what free housing is all about. And yeah, you get food, you get your food stamps. <laughs> and somewhere along the way, we run out of food. We run out of money. Water will still keep falling from the sky, as it's doing here. This beautiful Louisiana day. Yeah, but. It'll suck for you. <laughs> oh, there are those who will keep rocking right along. That's true. There are things well, that won't change. But for some of you, that's going to change a lot. You are stupid enough, especially poor people, especially people who don't have any means. You are going to be living in Caprini Green all over again. Joe Biden said it best. Yeah, the Democrats going to put y'all back in chains. And not the Republicans. Not the president. The Democrats going to put y'all back in chains. You better believe it. And Joe... You act as though you own us, and I understand why. Is because you did own our vote for nearly 50 years. In fact, you've been in office nearly the whole time that Democrats have owned the black vote. You have manipulated in ways 
where you we feel a kinship to your rhetoric and foolishness. We we almost feel a kinship to you, which is to our which is to the detriment of black people. And oh, that they would open their eyes. Today, my special guest well, on the right after the, the opening of the second hour was Buddy Pilgrim. And I believe he was a watchman on the wall. Oh yeah, he told you. Told you without with without any reservation. Told you without any um, reservation at all that you had better pay attention, America, because you will lose the core of what makes us who we are if within 46 days, we only have 45 left, but in 46 days, if Joe Biden is president of the United States, yeah, bye bye, Birdie. Katie, bar the door, and you can't say that God didn't give you a chance. You will not be able to say, America, that God did not give you a chance. Against all odds, this president beat 16 other people to become president. He beat actually uh, three, four living presidents at the time, including Hillary Clinton, to become president. He's beat off everything that has come against him. It is a God thing. And you will not be able to say that God did not give you a chance. And I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right to speak our mind. And until I'm able to speak to you again, I'm CL, and I pray that God will richly bless and that he will keep each and every one of you right there in the hollow of his hand. Talk to you soon.